Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's your girl Adar and you're listening to the Digital Sisterhood Podcast. Preface, page six. We appreciate the sky on an aesthetic basis, not realizing that its function is beautiful. It produces beauty. It is very being is beautiful. It is beautiful. As we are enamored with its colors, we oftentimes do not connect that it is the same sky that sends snow, rain, clouds, and acts as a buffer against the sun. Many of us viscerally appreciate the sky and usually do not comprehend the substance of its work. It beautifies itself and others through its actions. Thus, from the sky, we learn that beauty is not a state. It's a practice. So that, um, I just read the pages from this book called Beauty Fisibilila by Lina Ahmed. Well, the reason why I'm reading this page is that A, it's incredibly beautiful, but B, because there's actually a story behind it. There was a day, actually recently, a few weeks ago, where I was having a debate with friends about beauty. And it was basically two against one. I didn't like their definition of beauty or their perspective. Matter of fact, they used Kevin Samuel to prove their point. And at the time, I felt like I couldn't explain what it is I was trying to explain about beauty. I felt like I was mumbled. I felt like I was being overtaken. And their perspective took me back to a time where I had similar perspectives of external beauty. But now, you know, with the veil, you know, removed from my eyes, I no longer see beauty in that way. So... I ended the conversation, stormed off, right? I went on Instagram. The first story I saw was a story of my friends on like Instagram story. And she had posted two pages of a book. And I looked at them just reading and it's talking about beauty. Like I was shocked. It was as if I was meant to see that story. And I quickly screenshotted it <laughs> and I sent it to my friends and I said, may Allah purify you with these words. <laughs> because those pages explained exactly what I wanted to say. And it said it so incredibly beautifully. The author's name is Lena Ahmed. The next thought I thought was, who is she? Lena Ahmed, um, well, she's a Somali-Canadian um, who experienced more or less the same challenges, just like every other young Somali woman. Um, I would always, I would say that I was always good at reading other people, but I felt like I was a mystery to myself. I couldn't understand why at sometimes I was like anxious, happy. Um, I couldn't understand what things kind of angered me or the things I feared. So I didn't know why every time I was stressed or sad, I ate or I was afraid to be alone. Um, and I always used entertainment movies, like friends to distract myself. So like, what was I running from? I never really looked deep into myself. So growing up, I, I wasn't particularly practicing, but I had been praying since I was like 11 years old. My mother, she goes about like, she's traveling throughout the Middle East. And she says to me and my brother that we're going to move so that she can like kind of uh, put some deen and dakan into us. So just in case people are curious as to what dakan alice is, basically it's when you're 
being taken to return back to your roots. <laughs> so basically, you're if you're from Canada and you're originally from, let's say, you know, Somalia, you're going back to Somalia to return to your natural state um, and not the state that's been constructing you in the West. Just so we're clear what Dakan Alice is. So the summer before I moved to Africa, um, I go to Toronto for the summer and I spend some time um, with my aunt. And uh, she's very practicing and really like somewhat like kind of somewhat strict. So I said, okay, you know, subhanAllah, like while I'm at her house, I'm just going to wear the hijab and the abaya mm. the whole time I'm in Toronto. So I would wear it. And even though I'm still, while I was in Toronto, I would still be like going to the malls and like going shopping and still buying like non-Islamic clothing. Um, I would still be just, I would just like wear this, like I would wear the hijab and the abaya. One thing, um, my cousin Sphala, like she was a, uh, she had just finished Al Huda, and you know, like she was really she was practicing, and I always liked the way that she like kind of carried herself, and I always liked the relationship that she had uh, with herself um, and like her appearance. Um, she had like an inner knowing that she was like uh, beautiful, and she kind of was like really self assured, like she accepted herself wholeheartedly. Uh, so one day, um, I go shopping. And I come back to the house and I'm just, I'm showing her all the clothes. And I'm just like, look, like, look at this, look at this. And she's just like, this is I am. <laughs> you know, exactly. Right. <laughs> and she's like, this is beautiful. I love this. This is really nice. This matches your color. This brings out your, um, it's just, this really like, it's flattering on your body and stuff like that. But then she told me gently that like, the clothes that I bought were kind of like, like they stood in opposition to like, you know, Allah's commands, but she didn't say it like that. But she said it in like a beautiful way. And then she told me, she's like, you know, you have to like, you have to wear the hijab. Like, that's just, that's just what it is, you know? So for me, um, someone who was very much into my appearance, I would say that that news kind of was just like a shocking thing for me. I was just like, subhanAllah, like, I'm like, really? I'm like, well, what am I supposed to wear? Am I supposed to wear a gauna? Like, that's so ugly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to look like I'm like an older older woman but then like I pouted for like maybe five ten minutes and then I was just like okay fine I guess this is what I have to do so Lena Ahmed finally made it to Kenya her mom packed up the family it was time to start a new life you can imagine when you you know move to a new country especially Africa things are substantially different things don't feel the same people talk differently people walk differently you're in an environment that you're completely uncomfortable you don't know how to be. You don't know if the girl in Canada should be the same girl in Kenya. Like I had a big culture shock. So the culture shock uh, led me, you know, to experience like a wide range of emotions. Like I was shocked. I was so sad. I was like confused. And I don't think anyone really talks about how it feels like to go to an entirely different country. I don't think people speak speak enough about how like the psychological effects of like Duff mm. and Alice, you know? <laughs> And so, and, you know, subhanAllah, and, and I made a lot of friends, you know, from the West, UK, Canada, America, while I was out there. And, you know, they all, I, they all had like different ways of like uh, coping, you know, with the situation. Yeah. Some, some of them would act out violently. So they would get into like a lot of fights. Uh, some would um, still like be kind of defiant to their parents and they would like sneak out and go out. 
um, you know, because they just all like believe that internalize that fear that they're never going to like see their homeland again. Yeah. Um, but my coping method was that I withdrew. So like I became really sad and I didn't talk to anyone. I didn't go anywhere. I just mm. would just stay in my house and, you know, I just did my thing. So um, in the meantime, though, I signed up for Duxie. Yeah. Well, I didn't really sign up. It was mandatory. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was we came here so you could sign up for Duxie. There's nothing else that you're going to do here in Africa. You know, I have no choice now. Yeah. <laughs> so it was there that I learned to like how to read, um, write and memorize. Mm-hmm. So as I like kind of withdrew more and I was kind of like, you know, doing my own thing, being like sad, you know, feeling sorry for myself. Having basically being a sad girl in Kenya, yeah. <laughs> but learning the kalam of a lot at the same time. What is it called? Um, uh, sad girl. No. So sad girl hours. <laughs> but they, they call it sad girl like, but yours is a sad girl like. Sad girl summer. Like, summer. <laughs> or sad girl year. Stuff, what a lot. We all uh, protect us from sad girl moments, sad girl anything. But... Um, I mean, I mean, so I'm there and I'm just, I'm, do, I'm doing Duxi and I just became, you know, I withdrew more. I just, you know, I had a lack of friends. And the funny thing about um, Africa is that there's no like distractions. So there wasn't like, there was an internet. Like I had to go to like the internet cafe, which is like I have to walk and I have to pay for it. It was so expensive and I don't have, I didn't have change like that. Um, there was no Netflix. So I started to really kind of uh, connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book uh, because there was nothing else to like to kind of distract me from. So I would read the Quran and, you know, alhamdulillah, I had the English translation of the Quran. And so I would read it just like hoping like for some relief, some like distraction. Prior to that, I never had actually read the entire translation of the Quran cover to cover. And I thought I would like have, I thought I would like have to force myself to like like it, force myself to like, you know, mold myself to like make it applicable to like my situation or be like, or maybe lie to myself and say like, yeah, it's making me happy and stuff like that. But when I read it, I was just like blown away. Like I, I, and I was even more blown away that like, I didn't have to do that. Like, you know, I read like surahs, like, you know, surahs al-sharah, like Luqman. And I was just like, and I was just finding like these lessons in there that I could apply to my situation, stuff that make what I was feeling like go away. Um, Also, I would, I would really love the footnotes those were like my favorite things of like, you know, like um, if you look at the bottom of the page, it always has these footnotes that are connected to, to like different ayats. And this was the first time I read hadith, bro. Like I was like, so it was like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was introducing himself to me, but also like his prophet. And so the Quran is not like a big book. So I was reading, I would read the hadith, but I would like read maybe two or three a day. I wanted to like save it because I was like, you know, I don't want to like go through it fast because then mm-hmm. what else am I not going to like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have anything else. Anything to else. Myself. Yeah. I also yeah. went to like an assignment school at the time too. And uh, the school was right beside like the most beautiful like mosque ever. So, you know, on my like breaks or on like, we had like different periods where like, I didn't have like, I didn't have class. I would just like spend my time there. And I would just like, again, <laughs> feeling sorry for myself <laughs> and my situation. And I would just sort of just, um, you know, stay there the whole time. And I made friends with like the library lady. And she always really like, I don't know. I remember she was very jovial, very like exuberant. She always like had like a smile on her face. And sometimes like when you're sad, you just get kind of irritated. Like, are you happy every day? Like every, <laughs> like, every day, sis? Lena Ahmed met this librarian. She had this really joyous and vibrant personality. Although Lena was really sad and really wanted her to just be sad with her because when you're sad, you're just on that sad, you know, girl hour. She was really impressed and 
she was really impressed with the way the librarian was optimistic and the way that she kind of introduced Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to her. And it kind of, you know, made her question, like, what is it in this book or what is it that, she, that you know that's getting you to feel, you know, happy or to feel, you know, optimistic? And it's interesting, Lena recognized that in her, her actions. Her actions made her curious. She was always, like, just saying, like, how Allah's good and Allah is, you know, like just just always saying like, you know, like this, like subhanAllah, like the, all these attributes of Allah, like really just introducing me to Allah through her, just like her personality and like her happiness, you know? And I've never, I never like saw like that before. Um, the way that I was introduced to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like I think it's similar to a lot of situations and a lot of other people's like experiences was just like, it was just rules. Like I didn't know him. Like I just knew like laws, like, Laws, commandments, yeah, this or that, halal, haram. That's all. Uh, and and not n- not so much about the creator. Yeah. Or even the why. I don't think people know the why either. Um. Yeah, definitely. You know, like, yeah. I didn't know the names, attributes, like, mm-hmm. none of that. She was in charge of the library, and obviously she had, like, a lot of, like, um, Islamic books. So she lent me a book, um, and subhanAllah, it was uh, Hadith al-Qudsi. And the thing about Hadith al-Qudsi that I just love so much even in the Quran, like I would always pause when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says me, like I. And it just, I just was like, oh, like me, I, like now there's like a point, like a point of reference. Like I have someone, it's not just like, you know, when someone, I love this, I love that. You know, like when people say like, well, you know, like, you know, well, Allah doesn't like this. Like there's no, in, you know, there's, there's no one in between a, someone who says me or I. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, oh, son of Adam, spend and I shall spend on you. Or when he says, I am as my servant thing. Like when he would say like me and I, I would always just be like, I felt like he was talking to me. I'm like, okay, this, this is Allah and no one can speak for him and no one can like twist his words. And like he's speaking to me and I'm his slave, just like everyone else is his slave. Lena finally returned back home, but home didn't feel like home. Just as she felt different and uncomfortable in Kenya, coming back home felt just the same. So eventually I came back. And when I came back to Ottawa, like all my friends were shocked. You know, I was really different, like physically, like I was different. I had lost a bunch of weight. So um, I had like hit my target weight and my friends were like commenting like, wow, you're so thin and stuff like that. And I was just like, wow, subhanAllah. So was I fat before? But anyways, and then... (laughs) And another thing, how I changed was that I was wearing abaya and I was wearing hijab. So I wasn't even wearing the hijab and like the jeans. I was wearing like the full front. I look like somebody's like mom, you know, Mm. and I'm still a teenager. And Mm. so like, but my friends were like pretty much, my friends were the same. They, they didn't wear hijab. They didn't pray, you know, and it was not in their like uh, in the foreseeable future, like that they were just going to be practicing. So um, they would like always like be going out and stuff like that. And um, they would invite me to come along and I would always like decline, decline. And, and then sometimes I would just like push forward, like, oh, why don't you come to my house or maybe I'll come to you. And so, mm-hmm. um, but after that, like you, it, it, it gets like tiring. It gets boring because like people who want to go out, they want to go out. So I remember, I remember one time there was like a, a mixed wedding. And I remember like my friend from like, like everyone went, even like I had friends come from Toronto and like she was staying with me and even she went and literally that I remember that night, it was like the biggest test of my life because I know it was like, it was mixed, 
there was like music and it was like packed. Like there was going to be like so many people there. And it was just like the wedding to be. And I remember like my friend from Toronto, she was like, yo, I'm your guest. Like, how are you not going to come with me there? Like, you're the one that's supposed to show me around stuff like that. Even though she had other friends, but she was trying to like, you know, I mean, a little gaslight, little, you know, little mm-hmm. manipulation, guilt trip and stuff <laughs> like that. And I was just like, and in my head, like, you know, like you, you, you can like wear your hijab when you're out there, like, you know, like still, like mm-hmm. you don't have to compromise. We'll leave after Maghrib so you can pray and stuff. And so I just kind of was like, you know what? Like, I have to choose like a life, bro. Like I can't, I can't, you know what I mean? Like this is just getting, it's just like my friends want me to come like, like they want me to change myself. They want me to just become them, adopt their lifestyle like a hundred percent, you know? Mm-hmm. And they do not want to meet me halfway. And I remember um, I was living with my aunt at the time. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rest her soul. Like she passed away now. And I would say to her, like, Habir, like, you know, like, I don't have friends, you know, like, who are practicing and stuff like that. She's like, don't worry. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to give you good companions. When Lena returned from Kenya, she came back transformed. She learned the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She let it, you know, cultivate her. She came with this new eyesight. But her friends remained the same. So she went to go pursue out people who, you know, were Muslim, people who practiced their religion. She went to the masjid. Although she went to the masjid and she thought she would find Muslims that were, you know, really practicing their faith, really, you know, being transformed. Instead, she found Muslims that were just Muslims on the surface. So I'm there and I'm trying to make friends. I'm, I'm trying to fit in, trying to find my own tribe, trying to find my own community, trying to like not be like isolated. But as I'm there and I'm, you know, putting myself in the Islamic community, I'm noticing like different things and I'm noticing like discrepancies and, um, you know, just like small, like small, small things that I'm noticing. For one, I, I thought that a lot of the girls that were in the Islamic classes or that attended like, you know, duxies or these like halakas, they were there because they wanted to be there and they were not there because they were forced to be there. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought that every girl was um, wearing hijab because it's she arrived at it um, through her own like through her own volition, through her own will, through her own desire to seek nearness to Allah. I didn't think that I, I didn't think that they were like forced. But a lot of like girls that would, you know, they would tell me like, actually, you know, I'm just doing this for my mom. And I don't even know why, like I'm wearing the hijab and they would take off the hijab at school or like at weddings and things of that nature. I, I used to like ask myself, I said, well, how come their mothers didn't teach them about like the beauty and like the honor of like the hijab, you know? And why do they want to be like accepted so bad that they like show their like hair and things of that nature? So I thought that I'm just like, you know, like, like surely there's something in Islam that talks about like self-esteem. I remember this particular time I was in Duxi and, you know, this is actually in Africa and I was writing a surah and the ma'alim like stopped me and said, like, if you make one more mistake in Somali, he said that, you know, I'm going to hit your fingers. And I was like, yo, this guy is like from, you know, like (laughs) Medina, you know, he's, he's a Medina taught like student, you know, like he went to like, he went far and wide to study, to learn the book of Allah, to learn the religion. The best of the best in terms of like <laughs> yeah. Islamic education. And I was like, why is he, you know, why is he acting like that? If he knows so much, like, you know, why would he hit a girl? Like, why would he hit like a little girl? Right. And so I would see violence in like, 
in I would see violence in Duxi and I would see violence at home. I would mm-hmm. see people like fighting for like influence, um, you know, like in the mosque and influence for like, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, like prominence and stuff like that. Like I remember one time, like a girl said about another girl, like, oh, that girl, you know, like she she's arrogant. I'm like, but she wears a jabab. So I didn't like see like I didn't think that stuff like arrogance or like pride or like greed could ever like were ever adjective. Mm-hmm. So when I see like a person, I just see like okay, like subhanallah, like this person is in the dean. I'm like so there's they don't have like negative like qualities. Like they only have like maybe like a few deficiencies, but like stuff like like everything they do is is only gonna be for the sake of um, like this is not gonna be to like increase like prestige. It's not gonna be to like um uh mm-hmm. like like for any like worldly issues yeah the people were truthful right and they were, they were honest and they were upright and they were at least on the pursuit of doing it the right way right they weren't like people who wore you know you know hijab or who wore thobe and they had arrogance and pride and like all of these scary things but rather were people that were trying to rectify and and go for the right things but then in reality you saw you saw a bunch of people doing something else and it was clear as day for you right i remember one time like you know like a practicing girl but she was using um skin lightning and i just remember even going inside the mosque and seeing like um in, inside the stores um you know what are they selling yeah. they're selling incense they're selling uns- yeah. they're selling diras and stuff like they're selling mm-hmm. like all these like books you know you know hadith stuff like that but they have they're all next to each other right <laughs> and they have diana yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm just like, I just felt like so shocked that like these kind of like perversions kind of like ben Muslim Harpa. that were in the mosque, that yeah. grew up in the mosque, like they harbored such things. Like they, I thought that that was something that you just do like regular you- people, like Jahid people like me. Yeah, like people had. didn't know Allah. Yeah. People yeah. who didn't know Allah. Yeah. Like I didn't think that like you went through that, like, you know, like other people, or I saw like stuff like, like hair relaxers and things of that nature. Like, I didn't think that people like, you know, like people who were like dignified, who with knowledge had these things in like their hearts. So Mm -hmm. subhanAllah, like I even like I would attend like different halakats and I would like see, I would just always get like disappointed when I would see like women like raising their hands and asking the ustada like, okay, tell me about this. Like, tell me like, what do you, like, what am I supposed to do in this situation? And what am I supposed to do with that situation? They would always ask about things like peer pressure, beauty, identity. And I remember just never being satisfied with the answers given, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're like, there has to be more. There's more to this. There's more context. It's just not just that. So I think that all those experiences of what I saw, I just was kind of left like disillusioned. I'm like, is this... Is, is this Islam? Is, Islam is like you pray, you wear the hijab, that you go, you you know, like like you memorize the Quran. Like, is it is it not something that like you know helps like your mind? Is it is it not something that you can like think differently? That you can behave differently? That you can like begin mm-hmm. to like view like your yourself, your skin color, and you know, um, you know, other people in like a different way. Like, is mm-hmm. it something that we just still like? You know, in the case of the Ma'alan, like using um, using violence um, as a pedagogical tool to teach kids, you know, and so and just hiding behind the religious guys, right? Of mm-hmm. but you are still like abusive, you know, like so. Mm-hmm. I just was kind of I had all these questions within myself, and I'm just like, this is this is how people use Islam. 
this is how people like enact Islam. So I just, all these questions were just kind of like led, leading me to explore, well, what is the utility of Islam? How do, how do people embody beauty? How do people embody like self-esteem? Like how, how and, and how do you give that to other people? How do you give that to, to yourself? So I'm going through all these like different experiences and I'm, and, and, and I'm just seeing uh, no one talking about or giving like satisfying answers. They would give like answers like, just be confident. Uh, just, just say no. Just be you. Yeah, just be you. <laughs> very, on the surfo- very on the surface answers, like not really like deep and just just saying that uh, you know like and you're left feeling a little bit kind of like okay but wha- like how how do i say no and how like i just felt like the um people who were like more grounded in knowledge and more like kind of um from what i saw like more on like a like allah did them a favor by making like certain uh sins easy for them to abstain from i just mm-hmm. felt that they lacked they did not use empathy to put themselves in the shoes of like, you know, a person who's much younger than them and who whose life and whose validation comes from like peers, right? And they didn't really, they didn't really see the world through their eyes so that they could give kind of um, really constructive, like constructive solution. That's solutions that kind of speak to their realities, you know? And they, and more so they weren't really like demonstrations of making Islam like, uh, appealing you know mm-hmm. to like the youth like it's appealing to a person who has cultivated um the taste for the taste for like okay the jilbab is beautiful mm. um you know but like a like a girl who has never worn like a girl whose peers like don't wear hijab a girl who just you know is just like mentally kind of like overwhelmed by the images of like uh, manufactured beauty and stuff like that you can't just you can't tell her to say just say no sister <laughs> no, you you have to explain. You have to, yeah. You have the and you have to make them understand why what it is that they love, they should love, why it, it's like incredible. It's just very much like, oh, this is the command, this is the law. Yeah, because uh, but the thing is, we live in a society that constructed us to think a certain way, right? From and and, you, and we and we could talk about when it begins. It begins when we we don't even have an intellectual capacity to defend ourselves, right? When we're young, when all we're doing is copying, right? We're just mimicking. That's when they start with us, right? As I like started to kind of like delve into like Islamic books and like, you know, books of like, like our past, like people that we love so much, I see that, you know, Islam like really offers like so much like possibilities and so many new ways of like knowing and being that we don't really um, take on, that we don't really give, like, we don't really ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us that. You know, like we don't ask a lot. Do we ever ask a lot? Hey, I want to see differently. I want to see like the world differently. Mm-hmm. So, so all this uh, to say, I started writing. I started to write like my thoughts. Uh, and it was just a way of me to like make sense of what I was seeing. I started to write it on Facebook. I started to tweet it. <laughs> That's where everyone started. <laughs> <laughs> every everybody started at least the, like late millennials that became others started posting on Facebook, right? Because it's a it's a place where you can just free thought, like you could just write, and it was okay. It was a space that you all that was meant for it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I would just write, and um, I was really talking to myself. You know, sometimes <laughs> my friends would say, "Preach, yeah." You know, 
they would they would thumbs up they would love it they would like it sometimes they would share it yeah but it was really just it was really just for me and I was just and what I was doing is I was making sense of the reality and trying to like form my own conclusions on like or like solutions on like okay okay this is what beauty means in Islam this is what this is how you um cultivate self-esteem this is how you you know how you answer this problem this is how like this is how you utilize you know like this prophetic teaching and stuff like that so subhanallah I remember um, one day I'm on Twitter. As usual, I'm just ranting. I don't, you know, just usual. And then my friend, um, she replies. And then she says, um, God bless her. She says, she says, when are you going to write that book? And I remember subhanAllah just thinking like, I never, it had never occurred to me that I could write a book that like my words would be something that a person, another person would want to listen to. And so she really just set that, she really just planted that seed inside me. And because it's not that I necessarily viewed myself as an author, because like, I think that just like other Somali girls, I always looked at how other people viewed me, you know, to, to like understand, like to like measure myself against. So if, 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 if other people said I was this, then I was that. If another person said I was not this, then I would feel sad and I would try to become, you know, like not that what they were saying. So when she said that to me, I said like, wow, my friend, like she actually sees me like that. And so mm-hmm. this is this is how I began to write. I love to hear when women uh, breathe life into each other. It's a beautiful thing um, when somebody uh, tells you what they see in you and then you and then you believe them. Right. It requires belief to, to, to start like to start doing anything. If you don't believe in yourself, you're not going to do it. I think that's how women should be to each other. We speak life into each other um, and not tear each other down. I think that's really beautiful. And that friend is really beautiful. She's, she's definition of beauty. <laughs> exactly. Either, I don't know, just like a side note, like one of like one respected, like, you know, like person in kind of like the religious like community that I remember that I confided in them that I wanted to write a book. And then they were like, why would you write a book? you know, and subhanAllah, like, it just shows, like, just, like, the parallels, and so for me, at the time, it did hurt me, like, a little bit, but um, I have, like, a, like, my mom would say I'm stubborn, so I'm just, like, no, <laughs> like, you know, and, 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 like, my friend believing in me, like, really just kind of, like, boosted me, like, just gave me, like, so much, like, life and just made me see like a new possibility, and honestly, I don't blame her because she had never seen it done before, and so like, like someone who looked like, like, why should I be like, why should I write a book? Like I am, there's not, there's nothing like special about me. There's nothing like I look like everyone else. I, I don't have particularly like great skills and stuff like that. So, so basically, you know, like she was saying, because you sometimes project like what you believe about, like maybe like yourself onto like other people. Like if you are not self-limiting, then you will not limit an, another person. So that's mm-hmm. how I kind of like rationalized it. And I, subhanAllah, after the book published, not only did she buy the book and not only did she recommend it to other people, but she said to me, she said, you know what? I want to write a book too. It wasn't personal to me. It was just like, you, you had never seen it done. But maybe, you know, maybe if you saw that it was not only something that white woman could do. Yeah. And it was something that, you know, a person that yeah. is not like, you know what I mean? Particularly like, um, uh, doesn't stand out. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then you can do it too. That's incredible. So she inspired you to write a book 
And then it, it, that inspiration returned to her to also write a book. Now we have two black women writing a book. That's incredible. That is actually incredible because I, I also too thought only white women wrote books. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I know they don't just write books, but it's a, it's a really white industry. You know what I'm saying? Publishing and writing. And to see, to, to hear that you guys both inspired each other, that's wild. And not even that inspired you to write books, but you guys wrote books about, I, I don't know about your friend, but I know you wrote a book about Allah. You know, you're talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're not just talking about like anything, you know? So funny story. I actually know Lena Ahmed. At the time when I had uh, found uh, pages of her, of her book on my friend's story, I messaged that friend. I said, oh, my God, who wrote this like incredible book? Where can I buy it? And she laughs and she says, you actually know her. I was like, I don't know nobody that wrote a book. And she's like, no, 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 no you, do. you know this person. I said, sis, I don't know no girl named Lena Ahmed. I'm so sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe you have me confused for somebody else. She goes, no. Lena Ahmed isn't her real name. Her name is something else. And then she told me the name, and I was indeed very shocked because it was my friend. A friend I talked to, a friend I, you know, <laughs> like chop it up with. I was shocked that I had a friend who wrote an incredible book about beauty, self-love, Allah, in a way that I had, like... I I am a very I'm very good at explaining things, but the way that that she explained the things that I was having a hard time explaining to my friends just blew me away. But it didn't surprise me either. And and, and this is the funny thing, uh, uh, Lena, is that and I'm not, I'm not gonna say your real name, but I I when I the night that I asked you, <laughs> you know, um, I didn't want it. I wanted you to tell me that you wrote this book. Remember, because. I didn't want I didn't know if it was a secret. I didn't know like if you know, I was just so so shocked that you wrote a book and you barely barely told anybody, right? And you had you actually wrote this book in 2017, right? And I had never heard of this book ever, right? And I, I and I WhatsApped you, right? <laughs> I don't know what did I say to you? I said, "What did I say to you? We were talking about something else." You said like Lena, like, um, can you do me a favor? I'm speaking on a um, on a panel on beauty. Yeah. Can you can you join me? Yes. Uh, I was talking, and the thing, it, and then you said, "Oh, I actually wrote a book." <laughs> Even though I knew you did, but I needed you to tell me that you did, right? Because I don't know if you would have, and I I didn't even know if you were going to in that conversation, to be honest, because obviously. You, the way that you write about beauty, Lena, is so incredible. It's so incredible. The metaphors you use. And the, the crazy part is, is that you're not, um, you're not speaking truth from yourself. You use Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ayahs, his verses, his kalam to prove your observations. And that's the thing that I found so beautiful. Because like, who could deny that this isn't the truth? You know what I'm saying? If you're using you know, Allah's kalam and like hadith and all of these important um parts so then i asked you i you sent me the pdf um i i tried to be cool right i I didn't act like a fangirl but i was a fangirl okay and i was so moved like genuinely lena i was so moved like speaking like like i was so moved the fact that you wrote a book and nobody knew about it and then you didn't even you you put a fake name on it you know okay and, and and so i asked you right 
why didn't you use your real name? Like, if I wrote a book like that, I don't know. I might have just put my real name on it. You know what I'm saying? But you didn't. Can you tell me why? So, firstly, uh, that's a funny story. So, Lena is is is, is one of my nicknames. Uh, give it to be uh, by my cousin. She it's it's kind of like a, a play on my real name. Mm-hmm. And um, Ahmed is one of like my forefathers' names. Um, so yeah, so basically I just coined the two together and I think that the people, people who like, um, really like knew me, like my friends, like, um, they call me, they call me Lena. I also use the name Lena Ahmed because I wanted to kind of, um, have my work, like be separate from me. Like, I didn't want it to be like attached to me. I kind of like wanted, uh, like the freedom to like the freedom to just hold on to like my identity, hold on to like my they just just hold on to like myself, you know, and I just wanted like just the book to do what it did. And it just to be like in the space somewhere in the universe somewhere. But I wanted to just be me. I just wanted to just remain me. So I wasn't trying to be like Yasmin Mogahid or like a Brene Brown, you know what I mean? Or like a Bell Hooks. Like I just wanted to just write and then just put it in the air. Yeah. So I would just say like I'm I'm from like a small city. Like it's kind of like a few hours like away from like, you know, like where other is, like, you know. And so I just kind of just um just wanted just to like be, you know. And I what's really interesting is that when the book came out, other I told like a few friends that I like I told a few friends to like advertise it, and then I told uh, them that that I wrote it. So I said, I'm like, but when you advertise it, uh, please don't like say, you know, like, really yo, yo, my girl, ah, yeah. you know, be like, don't, yeah. just don't say just it. Just say, Ahmed. Yeah, read it. <laughs> and guess what? It's crazy because when I saw it on somebody else's story, my friend's story, it was just like that. It wasn't like, oh, this is my friend's book. I said, yo, guys, this is an incredible book. Everybody has to read it. And I read it and I was like, mind blown, right? And it's beautiful because... I, I, I could see the material for what it was. I I wasn't a, like, you know, I, I wasn't distracted by the individual of the book, just the material in itself. You know what I'm saying? And I and I think that's so beautiful that I think and, and maybe you can tell me, but my observation of you is that I think you wrote a book for Allah's sake. And I don't think you wanted it to be something that like, you know, gained you status or fame. And that's the thing that I find so fascinating about your story, Lena is that you wrote a book anyway and you wrote it for his sake and whoever it needed to reach, it did, right? So this is where I come into play, right? Because when I read that book, I was so immensely touched. I personally like struggled with the concept of beauty for a very long time. And one of the, seg- second, the second segue that really got me close to Allah SWT and really wanted, I went to full force and being more conscious of Allah SWT was beauty. When, the, the, when I learned about hijab and why Allah SWT commanded hijab, I felt like literally the shackles fell off my ankles and my wrists. I felt like I could finally say, hey, there is more to me than what I look like. Because it was, it was frustrating. I lived in a world that all, I, all that mattered is what I look like. And, and it's frustrating because you have nothing to do with the way that you look. You know what I'm saying? But you have everything to do with the, who you are. And I wanted to be valued. I did deeply. Ed, just like in high school, I wanted to be valued for who I was. But I lived in a society that said, nah, nobody cares. And I, so I became a wallflower. You know, I really became a wallflower because I didn't look a certain way. And, um, and, and that deemed that I wasn't valuable. 
And so I, I, I treated myself invaluable. You know, like I, I treated myself like I was nothing. So I, I didn't remember. I, I mentioned, if anybody remembers the first episode, I mentioned I didn't even want to be seen. You know what I'm saying? And so when I, when my friends and I were debating about it, I was frustrated because I was like, listen, like we're wearing hijab not because just because of a, it's a command, because I actually understand why. I actually understand why. I understand why, and I, I love Allah for it because he's telling me that I am more than what I look like. And, and, and not even that, that I, he's already fashioned me the best. And I, I don't have to be concerned. I don't have to fit in a bridge of what beauty is or in a, like, I, that's, I'm bigger than that. And that's what I really needed to be unapologetically me. Like, when people tell me, like, oh, they're like, how are you so confident? I'm like, bro, because, like, my, my, where I get my confidence is from Allah. He told me that I, I have to worry nothing. I don't have to worry about nothing. You know, I'm beautiful already. Right? And then I'm only as beautiful as my actions, as my good deeds, as my mannerism, as, as my awareness of him. That is as, as beautiful as I get. And that's the thing, though, okay? Lena, I was like, I, how dare nobody know about this book? <laughs> I said, how dare nobody know about this book? This is wild. And so you know what I did, right? I took your book. I posted it everywhere. I went on Twitter. I posted on uh, TDS's Instagram page. I posted it on my Instagram page. I said, wallahi, everybody needs to read this book. Every woman and men, but woman needs to read this book. Like I would, I, I like I was like I was sending private messages. You guys have to read this book. It's crazy. It's so good. Um, and I was so proud that I like that I knew somebody that wrote a book like this. But it also like Lena, I'll be real with you. I I I started to look at you differently. I was like, what in the world? That is what like your brain is just incredible. And so I I was like, okay, let me post it. And I remember what I posted. It was like 10 p.m. It was late at night. Okay, but I, I, that's how I am, right? I see something good. I post it right there. Right. I'm not theatrical like that. Like I am theatrical, but I'm not like a planned theatric. Like I just I just do it. I said, OK, inshallah, I'm going to buy her book in the morning. But let me post it to everybody to, you know, like, let's do this. Because like this book needs to be sold off the shelves right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. So I went to bed. And I didn't tell you. Right. I didn't tell you that I was doing it. I just went to bed. I woke up at 10 in the morning and I got so many messages. Yo, sis, where's the book? I'm like, what do you mean, where's the book? It's sold out. I said, how's it sold out? <laughs> I said, how is the book sold out? People are sending messages. Adar, where's the book? People in Australia, Adar, where's the book? The book sold out. What the heck? People are telling me, who, what kind of community do you have? The, 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 the book is gone. I remember I had people looking for it in eBay. You know, like they were like, oh, there's like two books left in Australia in eBay. Like, it was madness. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was sitting on my bed. And I was like, I didn't even buy the book. I didn't even get the opportunity to buy the book. I didn't know that it, w- it would just, people would, like, be like, oh, I'm okay, don't know. Alice is buying it. Let me buy it. But wallahi, they bought the book because that's what Allah wanted. You know what I'm saying? And, and I really believe this. And this is just my observation. I believe when you do anything for Allah's sake sincerely, it reaches who it needs to reach. Even if I was a means, Right? Like, I had people who had thousands of followers saying, um, Sister, where can I get this book? I said, Sister, sold out. And I messaged you, and I showed you what happened. So tell me. Other was sending me screenshots, because I wasn't on social media mm-hmm. at that time. She, other was sending me screenshots. 
<laughs> so, because I'm seeing like from like the distributor side that yeah. it's just like gone. It's zero zero. Like literally, like Amazon was saying, like um, we don't know when or if we will ever get this book back in stock. <laughs> like, literally. So oh, yeah. I'm like, and then you just send me, and I'm just like, subhanAllah. I had people I had was, t- um, sending me, like people were like sending me screenshots of their purchase- purchases. You know, like people were like, they had this like, this desire to download your book. And when they did, and when people did read your book, they were, they said they felt transformed. And like, that's how beautiful your observations and your writing is, Lena. Like, honestly, that is how powerful it is. Like, I read it saying, and this is a personal thing. I'm in the, I was in a, in a, um, a little bit of a decision, like, uh, place right now of whether I'm going to wear a naqab or not. After reading your book, I, I've decided with conviction that I'm going to wear a naqab. <laughs> with conviction. When I read your material, I said, I'm not worried. Because the kind of beauty I'm chasing is the one that transcends past even after I pass. That's the one I'm in pursuit of. That's the one that you were talking about in your book. And that's the one you were calling towards. And I was like, damn. I said, how can anybody read this book and then say, I'm still like on the rockers? You know what I mean? Like, I don't mean to break your back, sis, but this book is actually the most beautiful book I've ever come across. Um, and, and may Allah make it on your scale. Lena. May Allah make it a heavy weight on your mizan. And I know it will be. And I know that all the listeners that are listening are probably so eager to download your book. Because now, by your permission, your book is going to be available for download on Digital Sisterhood's website. <laughs> and that's on what? Rabbil <laughs> Alameen. So everyone can get the book now. And everyone can see what exactly it is I'm talking about. And I, and I know, and the good thing is that, alhamdulillah, your, your identity is covered um, and nobody knows who you really are, but they can appreciate your work regardless. And I hope Allah accepts that, you know, this, this incredible good deed that you did um, and this incredible selfless act that you did that reminds me of scholars before, really. Scholars who used to write books and books in seclusion and they didn't care where it would go. They just said, I'm doing this for Allah's sake, who it lands and, and it lands. And now we read their books there are points of reference. And I know it's not just because the material is just good. It's because of their intention when they were writing this book. And, and, and I hope that you inspire other people, inshallah. So Lena didn't just stop there, you guys. There's another book on the horizon. It's called The Custodians of the Dunya. It'll also be live on our website at digitalsisterhood.com. So www.digitalsisterhood.com. You can find both Lena Ahmed's books and I promise you and we're and, and alhamdulillah we're selling it for really cheap you know what I mean alhamdulillah Lena is so humble and it's giving us kind of a really really nice discount um because I, I guess for her it's about the message and not so much about the monetary and that's exactly why she and I vibe so you can go ahead go to our website download it and I promise you if you don't leave changed holla back also I'd like to um I had so many messages from last episode so many conversations I wish everyone saw. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're really enjoying it and you have thoughts, you have opinions you want to share, hashtag TDS Hive. Hashtag T-D-S-H-I-V-E. Let, let us know what you think. Let us all know what you think. After all, we are the Digital Sisterhood. Lena, thank you. Thank you so much for writing this book, 
for being who you are and for teaching us something about beauty that is going to last, at least with me. I'm, I'm forever transformed. The true slave is the one who is honest with herself and unpacks the true intentions behind her actions. She tries to single her intention only to please Allah, not to assuage negative feelings or to achieve a worldly objective. The true slave submits her emotions, fears, dreams, and aspirations for the sake of Allah. And whatever she gets from the dunya is extra. Be sincere. Allah only accepts efforts that are genuinely done for his sake. Sometimes we chase after people because we consider them to be attractive or sophisticated. So we behave exceptionally with them. We shower them with gifts, keep their secrets, and we are always more than willing to do favors to win their love. But sometimes we find that these people may show more affection to others, even though they don't do as much for them. Therefore, we spent money and time, but our efforts did not bear us the fruits that we wanted. But the one who chases Allah, she's not restless, rather she's relaxed. Freedom from jealousy and neediness is one of the many fruits of seeking honor through Allah. There is nothing more beautiful than a person who is self-assured and is not competitive over the worldly resources. If a person is blessed in this way, jealousy will not be an issue. And if jealousy is not an issue, neither will backbiting, gossiping, and spying. True wealth is in the heart, and a peaceful heart is one that Allah has saved from greed, clinginess, low self-esteem, grudges, and jealousy. Obedience to Allah gives us honor, even if we don't have pretty friends, wealth, a doting husband, or obedient kids. Allah gives it to whom he chooses. The key to gain this honor is sincerity. Only the sincere will enjoy this true bliss. So that was an excerpt from the book, Lena's book, the Custodians of the Dunya. You can find it now on Digital Sisterhood's website at www.thedigitalsisterhood.com. It is live. It is ready. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by Beautiful Light Studios. I'd like to uh, thank our producer, Muna Sheikh Umar. Um, i also like to give a shout-out to our, um, our, our sponsors. I want to give a shout-out to a particular sponsor that sponsored this episode. Her name is Halima Gale. Jazakallah khair. Make, uh, may Allah make this a heavy weight on your mizan, on your scale of good deeds. Um, and we'll see you guys next Friday at noon. You already know. I'm in your ear, in your speakers, sharing a good story. <laughs>